0: Back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. January tenth, twenty twenty two, Lightshed's top twenty two TMT predictions and events for twenty twenty two. Happy New Year! We're kicking off Lightshed's TMT coverage in the new year by laying out our top predictions and events to watch for in twenty twenty two. What we call our hashtag top twenty two for twenty two. To see what we got right and wrong in last year's top 21 list for 2021, click here. 2021 was supposed to be the year of the new normal as we moved on from COVID-19 and synthesized the important technologies and routines of the pandemic. We are part of the way there. The virus continues to evolve and our society with it. Our underlying assumption, though, is that 2022 finally becomes the base year of an endemic situation. We are planting a flag for what that looks like across industries, where we will see a reduced box office from 2019, live entertainment soaring to new highs, and interactivity becoming a bigger part of our daily lives, even as we move past the pandemic. Additionally, we see 2022 as more of an evolutionary year than anything else. It feels like most of the companies we follow are no longer grappling with identity, Most traditional media companies now have set streaming strategies in motion. That will evolve, likely getting more aggressive in their offerings as their legacy businesses erode at an accelerating rate. As always, we expect continued M&A, especially in traditional media, albeit nothing as earth-shattering as last year's surprise Warner Bros. Discovery deal. Technological change is a constant in our industry. Two major technological themes took significant mindshare in 2021, with the broad recognition of the building blocks of the metaverse and Web3. We expect broader consumer acceptance of both in 2022, as the industry looks to plan for each in its long-term strategy. And we expect a continued jockeying for position among tech giants to cement their leadership in the next generation of communications, distribution, and commerce, including control of the next generation's operating systems. Our top 22 for 22 list encompasses major M&A predictions, increasing competition in broadband distribution, direct-to-consumer streaming, TV operating systems, and the metaverse, the diverging futures of local and national sports rights, how Web3 is beginning to impact the TMT universe in video gaming, the future of the movie industry post-pandemic, escalating war for time and attention across media verticals, the lack of sustainability in the sports betting marketing wars, the disruption of yet another industry hiding in their walled garden, and how ad tech will enable TV measurement alternatives and alleviate the challenges faced on mobile in 2021. And now, on to the show.
1: Number one, Fox Flutter arbitration will trigger final Fox Unwind. In May 2019, Fox took a 5% ownership stake in the Stars Group, and the two companies set plans to work together to launch a free-to-play game, FoxBet Super 6, and real money wagering in states where it was legal, FoxBet. Importantly, Fox had the ability to buy up to 50% of TSG, and the two companies were true partners in the rapidly growing sports betting market. Unfortunately for Fox, shortly after their investment, FanDuel bought TSG fundamentally altering the relationship and ending its path to control. Fox shifted from more of a quote-unquote owner to effectively a quote-unquote affiliate. While Fox's TSG option to buy more does give it the right to buy more FanDuel, the valuation where that option can be exercised is a source of vocal disagreement. In fact, the two companies have had terse comments for each other on recent quarterly earnings calls, with arbitration set to start later in Q1 and a decision likely in Q2 2021. The more we think about what has happened over the course of the past couple of years between Fox and Flutter FanDuel, the less we believe they can be happy partners, regardless of the arbitration outcome. Fox certainly has options. Fox remains the home of NFC Sunday afternoon NFL games through 2033, following its recent NFL renewal. Beyond the NFL, Fox Sports has a meaningful presence in college football, Major League Baseball, World Cup, WWE, and is launching the USFL in 2022. In turn, Fox Sports would appear to be a very powerful partner for an array of sports betting companies who are hoping to catch up to industry leader FanDuel. Assuming arbitration has been resolved by mid-2022, we expect Fox to look to unwind its ownership of Flutter FanDuel and explore strategic alternatives with another sports betting company that wants to have a more integrated relationship, a true partnership. With Disney likely to keep ESPN versus merging with a sports book, Fox is in a unique position to explore a wide array of strategic opportunities for the Fox network, TV stations, and FS1. Fox's non-news assets could be an ideal partner for DraftKings, BetMGM, Fanatics, and others. Concurrently, We expect Rupert Murdoch would combine Fox News with News Corp, enabling him to main control over one of the most powerful news assets in the U.S. today. Ultimately, this should create substantial value for investors. Lastly, it is worth noting Rupert Murdoch will be 91 in March 2022. Number two, Disney keeps ESPN to enable it to buy out Comcast Hulu stake and win IPL rights. Less than a year after Bob Iger became Disney's chairman and CEO in two thousand five, he made his first bold strategic move in acquiring Pixar. That acquisition defined the Iger era, with its emphasis on aggregating the world's most iconic IP: Pixar, Marvel, Lucas Films. Two thousand twenty-two will mark the first year that new Disney CEO Bob Chapik is finally on his own, without the shadow of Iger and numerous Iger disciples. In turn, the question becomes. What will define the Chapek era? The answer is a more aggressive continuation of what we have seen the past few years. While we had believed Disney should spin off ESPN and ABC since Chapek took over as CEO in 2020, we now believe that would be a mistake and will not happen, no matter how uncertain ESPN's future is, as the multi-channel bundle shrinks and ad dollars shift away from linear TV. If Disney Plus and direct-to-consumer streaming are Disney's top priorities, it will need to make significant investments over the next several years and clearly needs ESPN's cash flow to fund these investments. Investors are already worried about the slowdown in Disney Plus subscribers over the past few quarters, averaging 7.5 million net ads the past three quarters versus 19 million net ads in its first five quarters of existence. All signs point to 2022 net ads falling towards the mid-30s, down 20% from fiscal 2021. We believe the level of investment, content, tech, marketing, required at Disney+, Plus dwarfs what management has told investors thus far, particularly as the tech giants continue to expand into content, with no need to earn an economic return on SVOD alone, and smaller streaming services vying for increased time and attention. Content investment will go well beyond adding more series, we suspect Disney will need a new model for releasing films after the challenges of the past six months. Luckily made no money on Shang-Chi, lost money on Eternals, West Side Story, Encanto, etc. As windows collapse or disappear, more films going day and date, near-term film profitability will take a hit, further illustrating the need to keep ESPN in its cash flow. But long-term net subscriber growth and ARPU upside should all benefit meaningfully. To accelerate its D2C strategy, we believe Disney will buy out the rest of Hulu from Comcast and maintain IPL rights in India, regardless of the cost. While we were clearly wrong that Disney would end its Hulu partnership in 2021, as we predicted in our top 21 for 21, we believe it is now a top priority, with Chapik in complete control at Disney. Sole ownership of Hulu will allow packaging changes for Disney's suite of s products. While Disney has created a synthetic bundle to date, we believe management realizes a far tighter integration is critical to winning long-term. It is possible Disney Plus could morph into the long-talked-about broader Disney-as-a-service, tied to theme park admission, movie tickets, and discounts on merchandise. However, we believe it is more likely that Disney Plus morphs into a broader SVOD service, leveraging the Disney brand while providing fully integrated access to a wider array of content. Disney is already doing this in Europe, where Star is a title on Disney Plus, We would expect it to look similar in the U.S. with Hulu. We would not be surprised to see a Disney Plus subscription become a prerequisite for a Hulu subscription, much like Basic Cable and HBO and ESPN Plus with the UFC pay-per-views. Buying out Comcast in 2021 is likely to cost Disney at least $15 billion, well above the floor valuation in their agreement of $9 billion. The offset will be a reduction in annual fees paid to NBCU as part of their content licensing agreement, the CLA. We suspect the CLA will drop from over $1 billion per year today to sub $500 million as the NBCU content on Hulu becomes more focused on deep catalog titles. Disney plus Hotstar has been a creative way for Disney to rapidly expand its subscriber base, even if ARPU has been insignificant. However, with 44 million of Disney's 118 million Disney plus subs coming from Hotstar, the need to retain IPL cricket rights in India is critical. We believe Disney will pay whatever it takes to main control of exclusive IPL rights, with the AAV soaring to $1.2 to $1.5 billion per year from just over $500 million today.
0: Number three, 5G wireless home broadband emerges as a viable competitor to cable. This is the year. The recent deployment of large blocks of Spectrum by wireless operators will enable them to offer viable home broadband service to a notable segment of the market. T-Mobile is already adding more than 200,000 home broadband subs per quarter, and Verizon is about to unleash rate plans that drop as low as $25 a month. Verizon is also layering additional commission opportunities for their sales group. Remember that the vast majority of phone upgrades in the United States are still done in a wireless operator store, not online, and not at Apple stores. This customer touchpoint provides wireless operators with a regular opportunity to sell home broadband, and they are incenting their sales force to do so. Some might argue that data-hungry home broadband applications will quickly use up the expensive spectrum resources of wireless operators. Maybe, but to find quickly two years, four years, and after achieving what share of the home broadband market? Spectrum depth is what provides these operators with the speed and the capacity to compete in the home broadband market. They have been spending tens of billions of dollars on this valuable asset and now plan to deploy a ton of it. In the past year, T-Mobile added 100 megahertz of spectrum to its network and will add another 100 megahertz by the end of 2023. Verizon is adding 60 megahertz of spectrum in 46 cities in less than two weeks, and will have 160 megahertz deployed in twice as many locations by the end of 2023. Verizon will also tell you about the hundreds of megahertz of spectrum depth they continue to deploy on millimeter wave spectrum, with technologies like Pivotal Comware that continue to improve the performance of that spectrum. Most importantly, the management teams of wireless operators are on the hot seat to deliver on revenue growth expectations. They have already resorted to adding content subscriptions to high-end rate plans to drive revenue growth. There will be a strong incentive to push wireless home subscriber growth in the near term and worry about the network consequences later. A CEO that elects to conserve their spectrum resource at the expense of missing paltry revenue growth targets might end up seeing that spectrum utilized by the next CEO. We forecast that Verizon and T-Mobile will add 1.8 million wireless home broadband customers in 2022, more than doubling the 750,000 added in 2021. To put that growth in context, Comcast, Charter, and Altice combined added 2.4 million broadband subscribers in 2021 and 2.7 in 2019. Investors expect these 3 cable companies to add more than 2 million broadband subs in 2022, but even that reduced level of growth from recent years may prove to be too aggressive.
1: Number 4. Roku buys Vizio instead of a studio. The TV OS wars heated up in 2021 as dongles faded and consumers increasingly utilized the embedded OS in their televisions. At the same time, competitors saw the ad tech business at Roku and what it meant for value creation. Others have followed the playbook, see Samsung, Vizio, and to a lesser extent LG, while large companies have added priority to the television OS, while the transformation of Android TV to Google TV in the U.S. has underwhelmed to date, marketing-wise. Amazon emerged as a new player with its Fire TV embedded Omni line of TVs in Q4 2021, along with Comcast launching X-Class TVs in the U.S. and SkyGlass in Europe. Roku unveiled original content in 2021, as we predicted in our top 21 for 21. More recently, the company added Sharp as a panel provider, which will boost TV market share in 2022, a few points. Nonetheless, fears of riving competition are clearly worrying investors. Roku has two paths it could take, prioritize exclusive content or pursue vertical M&A. We believe the latter will happen in 2022, while some additional exclusive content will be used to drive owned ad inventory. Prioritize exclusive content. Roku could choose to invest in exclusive content to differentiate its platform from others and or buy a studio to accomplish the same strategy. Where that concept may fail, is that the Roku channels only really utilize on Roku devices, even if it is available on mobile. In turn, does Roku platform-specific content make sense, especially as the Roku channel app on other platforms receives very little usage? If the Roku channel gets traction on other devices, then it won't really be a market share driver for Roku devices. We suspect Roku's push into content is more about expanding the advertising content available on Roku's platform, not about driving device adoption. Lastly, Roku is not a content company. We suspect the transition to acquiring and developing the most iconic industry content in an effort to move device market share is a fool's game, especially given the level of streaming war competition today. Vertical M&A We believe Roku will increase its device market share in 2022 through acquisitions, specifically by buying Vizio. We mocked up what a Vizio TV with Roku's tvOS could look like in the image embedded above right. Vizio represented about 15% of U.S. TV sales in 2021, compared to Roku-enabled TVs in the upper 30% range. Together, they would give Roku upwards of 50% market share of new TVs, rounded out with the sharp tvOS partnership. Even if growing tvOS competition leads to market share loss, 50% plus market share should be a powerful tool to enhance Roku's advertising leverage with its content partners, as well as giving it a greater chance of capturing a share of subscription revenue over time. We have long believed if Roku could get enough scale, it has an opportunity that goes well beyond advertising, which ties to John Malone from Liberty's comments in 2020 about Roku transforming into a gatekeeper for connected television. In addition to increasing the power of the Roku connected TV OS. Acquiring Vizio would also lead to substantial cost savings. Vizio is investing heavily to build out its ad tech stack and will ultimately need to build its own payment infrastructure, which Roku Number five, charter tiers the Sinclair RSNs as local regional sports begin OTT. Over the past couple of years, it has become increasingly clear that MVPDs and VMVPDs can be financially successful without carrying regional sports networks, RSNs. Dish Sling was the first to drop Sinclair's Diamond Sports RSNs, followed by YouTube TV, Hulu Live, Fubo, etc. When Dish's retrans renewal with Sinclair came up in fall 2021, Sinclair was only able to renew the retrans agreement, unable to force RSN carriage as part of the negotiation. We view Sinclair's failure to bundle retrans and RSN carriage as a watershed moment in the multi channel video industry that will set a precedent for others, especially those who have upcoming renewals with Sinclair. Not only has dropping RSNs been easier than distributors expected, but all signs point to an array of direct-to-consumer regional sports offerings in the coming year. The first could come from Sinclair, as has been reported from Bloomberg. We believe Sinclair will obtain a one-year agreement with the NBA after its four-year agreement with the NHL for the right to launch an OTT service. Of course, Sinclair needs MVPD and VMVPD consent to launch a competitive over-the-top streaming service. And note The Sinclair offering would not be a replica of what MVPDs carry, as we do not believe the MLB will work with Sinclair, which could make negotiations with MVPDs and VMVPDs even more challenging. Additionally, we expect MLB and NBA to work towards league-specific streaming platforms carrying OTT feeds of local and regional games seamlessly integrated with their out-of-market streaming packages, likely in conjunction with a streaming partner and as many teams as possible. Lastly, there could be RSN-specific OTT strategies in large markets who decline to be part of the league-based offerings, such as MSGN and LA Sportsnet. MSG has spoken publicly about their ambitions. As OTT, no bundle needed, local regional sports streaming services launch, it completely negates the need for MVPDs and VMVPDs to carry RSNs on their basic, broadest tier. This will have immediate consequences as Sinclair not only must obtain MVPD permission to launch a streaming service, but it also has a Q1 2022 renewal with Charter. Charter is not known for going to war on programming fees. However, we expect Charter will demand RSN tiering versus basic tier carriage as minimum penetration requirements fall dramatically. If Sinclair balks at this demand, Charter will be forced to simply drop the RSNs altogether as the content will be easily available to only the subs that want it via OTT. Number six, Viacom acquires Lionsgate. Lionsgate's been for sale seemingly forever, well before its stars acquisition in 2016. Meanwhile, long delays of the Viacom and CBS merger, thanks to the financially self-interested maneuvers of Phil Demont and Les Moonves, severely impacted Viacom CBS chairperson Shari Redstone's original plan, which for the, was for the merger to simply be step one of a multi-step plan to rapidly scale up. Unfortunately, the industry consolidated while Viacom CBS waited to happen leaving Redstone with fewer partners. At this point, it honestly feels like Viacom CBS is at an eat or be eaten moment. Well, Viacom may ultimately give up and be eaten by one of its larger peers. We believe Redstone is going to first try and scale up through acquisition. Lionsgate is a logical partner. In November 2021, Lionsgate announced it was exploring strategic alternatives for stars. We doubt anything happens with stars alone and expect the result to be a sale of the entire company in 2022. We do not believe Viacom will face stiff competition. Comcast should want to scale up content for NBCU as Peacock has far too little content to be a Streaming Wars winner. However, no investor is buying Comcast for NBCU, let alone Peacock. The investment thesis is centered on the future of broadband, wired and wireless. Comcast NBCU surprised us by passing on MGM and has allowed Candle Media, the Blackstone, Staggs, Mayer entity, to rapidly scale up a new content company. In turn, we doubt Comcast is going to turn around and take a run at Lionsgate Stars. A Viacom-Lionsgate deal would see real synergy. Viacom would see significant cost savings, not just by firing virtually every single employee at Lionsgate corporate film television, but also through combining Showtime and Stars operationally. There would also be substantial international cost savings where Stars has been losing $170 million per year. We suspect Star's content could be folded into Paramount Plus outside the U.S., eliminating those losses, instantly creating a far more compelling overseas strategy for the combined company. To be brutally honest, Viacom buying Lionsgate does not fix all of Viacom's challenges, and they will still need to buy far more content to scale up if they have any hopes of competing long-term. Keep an eye on Candle Media in 2023. But it's a start, and time is of the essence as the content investments from tech companies scale rapidly as well as Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery, Viacom, CBS, Paramount Plus, needs to get much bigger and fast.
2: Number 7. Bobby Kodak stays at Activision in perhaps his last stand. We had high hopes for Activision Blizzard in 2021. The company was coming off a transformative year for the Activision division. With the highly successful launch of Warzone and gains by COD Mobile, CEO Bobby Kodak's multi-platform franchise model created step-function growth to ATVI. In our 2021 predictions, we said this model would begin to extend to other franchises across the blizzard. We were wrong. Blizzard releases have been delayed once again, but more importantly, 2021 became a year of turmoil for ATVI, with Kodak himself in the crosshairs. Numerous workplace issues across Activision came to light in 2021, including accusations of harassment and inequality, and accusations of Kodak himself not reporting such to his board. These were highlighted by a settlement with the United States EEOC, a lawsuit from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, as well as a subpoena from the SEC. In response to allegations and other workplace issues, there have been numerous employee protests and an evaluation from key partners including Xbox and PlayStation. Blizzard president Jay Allen Brack resigned, as did half of his replacement Jen O'Neill. Clients and industry participants have cast doubt about Kodak's survival over the past few months. There's been speculation that the board was waiting for the turn of the year to make a change. We are predicting that Kodak not only survives the month, but the entire year. If there are changes, we expect them to be minor slash cosmetic, such as board member replacements. The bottom line is, despite some ongoing protests, the pressure has died down. Meanwhile, the stock has begun to push off the bottom. We also believe there was no logical replacement for Kodak. The bench at ATVI is relatively shallow, and there are no obvious outside candidates. We do believe 2022 could be Kodak's last stand. He acknowledges much in reportedly saying he would only step down if he cannot turn around his workplace, quote, with speed. The truth is, talent is the lifeblood of a studio business. Activision Blizzard is losing employees and having trouble recruiting. Blizzard has exactly one hit in the past several years in Overwatch, which has seen no follow-through. And since the acquisition of King, EPS is compounded at about 10% growth, albeit with most of that simply on the back of 2020's COD success. If things don't exit 2022 in the right direction, bigger changes may become
0: unavoidable. Number eight, Amazon's disruption continues, adding another global operator to its cloud. Amazon's announcement of AWS Private 5G in a Box at this year's reInvent trade show caught headlines, but it overshadowed what we believe was much bigger developments discussed the same day. That private 5G box is important and ensures a strong ecosystem for CBRS Spectrum in the United States, but Amazon has made significant progress in developing a carrier-class private network provisioning portal that could be far more disruptive to the global telecom industry. This goes far beyond dropping an AWS Wavelength Zone into 13 Verizon data centers, just to speed up app performance. Developers are being enabled. Investors have understandably struggled to get their arms around the market size for private wireless networks. We don't have those answers for you here. However, the development work we have seen by Amazon and Dish at the reInvent trade show and in discussion with multiple vendors feels like a replay of countless examples of how open and flexible tools spur rapid technological development. Apple and Android tore down the walled gardens that the telecom industry built around devices. The same could be coming for the network. The potential of Amazon's provisioning portal is both impressive and ambitious. There are plenty in the telco space that doubt that Amazon can achieve the level of automation that is being promised. If it works, a developer will have a tool to quickly create new applications within private networks that can be quickly and repeatedly tested in a fully automated virtual lab. Gone are the lengthy delays while waiting for carriers, vendors, and testers to apply new workloads manually. We are talking days versus months to even years. Upon implementation of cloud-native applications on a private network, the enterprise customer will have full access to the network data, previously under the controlled domain of the operator. With strong governance rights, that data can be safely shared across an organization using the AWS cloud tools with which they already have familiarity. The large enterprise is the primary beneficiary of this new tool. Yet, these enterprise customers could develop consumer-facing applications. That is a different market than AWS Private 5G in a box. Private networks will also not be limited to a building or a campus. Applications could extend over cities, regions, nationwide, or frankly, globally, as adoption moves forward. Media and investors relish throwing shade at dish as it develops this network. But CEO Charlie Ergen is not in this alone. And Amazon appears to be putting notable resources behind its development. We expect to see initial enterprise applications to be announced this year by Dish. We also expect additional traditional telecom vendors to shift development dollars to optimize their products to work in Amazon's cloud. As the list of vendors certified in Amazon's cloud grows, and Dish launches new applications, we expect it will be hard for global operators to avoid this obvious evolution of telecom networks. We predict an announcement by at least one operator further validating Amazon's entrance into this market, and Dish's lead in the United States. Number nine, the metaverse ages up.
2: 2021 was the year, quote, metaverse entered the zeitgeist. However, participation in the building blocks of the metaverse has generally been limited to younger demos. Roblox is the closest thing we have seen to approximating anything like a future metaverse and is enormously popular. However, that popularity has been largely limited to its core tween demo. Other platforms like Minecraft skew young as well. We believe this will begin to change in 2022 as the building blocks for the metaverse begin to age up. Roblox is slowly moving up the age curve. 28% of its top 1,000 experiences have a median age of 13+, nearly triple those from a year ago. Roblox has shown off tools to build deeper and more graphically sophisticated experiences that will appeal to older demos, especially in the hands of the more professional-slash-venture-backed developers that have flocked to the platform. Nonetheless, we expect other 3D interactive platforms to build a much larger presence in 2022. The most significant will be Epic. In Epic's 2021 year-in-review, embedded above above right, founder Tim Sweeney confirmed the 2022 launch of Fortnite Creative 2.0. Fortnite is now running on Unreal Engine 5, and Sweeney said they will be, quote, opening up the Unreal edit tools and the new scripting language onto the entire community to build Fortnite content, end quote. In the same video, Sweeney also spoke to building a robust economy in Fortnite and rating experiences by age. Fortnite has a player base that is slightly older than that of Roblox, and professional developers, many of whom are now working on Roblox, are eager to build. Mark Zuckerberg's announcement of Facebook's name change to Meta was a shocking but defining moment in 2021, punctuating the Metaverse craze. The VR-focused Meta had shipped 10 million Quest 2 units by mid-November, according to Qualcomm CEO Cristiano Amon, and Oculus was the number one app on iOS on Christmas Day. We are skeptical about how much those units will be used in 2022, but Meta will continue to ship content, and Meta's metaverse ambitions are aimed squarely at quote young adults 18 to 29, according to Zuckerberg. In fact, Horizon Worlds is only available to creators and users aged 18 and up. We would also not underestimate Snap's role in this space, even if Evan Spiegel has taken a different tact to date. AR is at the center of Snap's vision for the next computing platforms, including its investment in AR eyewear. However, the company has quietly assembled pieces that are true building blocks to a metaverse. The Snap Map currently is a digital representation of the quote real world. However, that will change to include distinctly virtual locations, perhaps even in 2022. Pair that with the 3D Bitmoji and some of the games on the platform where those Bitmojis move across open worlds, and another CEO might explicitly be using the term metaverse. Brands and media companies will also lead older demos into 3D interactive space. One of our 2021 predictions was, quote, interactive media platforms become critical for marketers and distribution of content, end quote. 2021 was indeed a breakthrough year in this regard, especially on Roblox, with successful showings from brands like Vans and media companies like Netflix who built a Stranger Things world, not to mention all the UGC creations for Squid Game. And some, like Gucci, were successful in bringing much older demos with them. We expect this activity to only accelerate in 2022, especially as Roblox and Epic, etc., make it easier for brands to build on platform and put the right digital assets
0: in the hands of UGC creators. Number 10, Dish will finally merge its pay TV business with DirecTV. Our prediction that DirecTV will combine with Dish's pay TV assets is back, like the return of the Swallows to Capistrano or an Apple TV prediction by Gene Munster. We skipped making this prediction in 2021 because of the uncertainty over who would head the FCC and DOJ. But mostly, we got bored waiting for it to happen. Nevertheless, we are back and re-energized for 2022. And this is the year. No, really. We believe the regulatory risks today are not high given the state of the pay TV market. Frankly, if Ergen can't get it announced this year, it might never happen. As we noted in 2020, Dish would obviously own a minority equity stake in the combined company, but we believe the deal can be structured to enable Dish to maintain control in order to take advantage of the NOLs generated by the wireless business. Unfortunately, the synergy opportunities have declined over the years. DirecTV is also unlikely to renew NFL Sunday Ticket, which will boost margins, but will also accelerate subscriber churn. Despite the lost synergies, this will be welcome news to DISH and AT&T investors. AT&T structured its DirecTV deal with TPG such that it would benefit from the synergies in a combo with DISH. AT&T would benefit from higher distributions that we believe it would use to fund a share repurchase program as early as next year. A merger of DirecTV and DirecTV Stream plus DISH and Sling would also create an MVPD and VMPVPD with over 20 million subscribers, making the combined satellite platform the largest multi channel video distributor. With DISH likely to run the combined entity, we would expect a very hard line on programming costs, particularly retrans, and a high likelihood of dropping regional sports networks across the DTV footprint as Dish has essentially exited that business. The most exposed company from this transaction would be Sinclair, given they have affiliates and RSNs.
1: Number 11, Zaslav comes out aggressively as CEO of Warner Bros. Discovery. David Zaslav is perhaps the most interesting player in streaming media right now. He's ended up in a place nobody thought possible, including himself. Nobody entered 2021, with Discovery swallowing WarnerMedia on their TMT bingo card. Zaslov has little to lose, but a large opportunity. If Warner Brothers Discovery ultimately fails, it's not like investors thought Discovery had a bright D2C future on its own. But at the same time, Warner Bros. Discovery has a large collection of assets with global appeal. This combination leads us to believe the combined company will be very aggressive as soon as the deal closes. Here are the three big things we expect from Zaslov and WBD in year one. Zaslav will consolidate Discovery Plus into HBO Max. The consolidation of Discovery Plus will be painful with technical and customer service issues as well as possible near-term revenue hole from Discovery Plus customers that don't move over. Although with offset from those who move to the higher priced HBO Max. In the long-term, it is the correct decision. To truly compete in global streaming, services need breadth of content. Bolstering and broadening the content on HBO Max will lead to greater subscriber engagement, time spent, lower churn, and ultimately increase pricing power. Furthermore, expanding the Discovery Plus content reach to what it is already 74 million HBO, HBO Max subs will be over 80 million globally when the deal closes will meaningfully increase awareness and engagement with Discovery's content. WBD will accelerate HBO's transition off the multi-channel ecosystem. HBO Max has had one distinct disadvantage compared to other streaming services from Legacy Media. HBO Max was tied to Legacy, HBO Linear, and on-demand channels. In contrast, for example, Disney had the clear benefit of launching Disney Plus as a new service distinct from the MVPD-VMVPD bundle. We believe the majority of HBO content consumption is still via MVPD subscriptions with HBO Max only showing up as 3% of connected TV time spent per ComScore, compared to Netflix at 26%. Remember, the 3% is only streaming content, not what appears on linear HBO via cable and satellite. WBD will need to find ways to shift subscribers away from MVPDs and VMVPDs as fast as possible through discounting and promotions. Ultimately, WBD needs consumers to use the HBO Max app every single day and not rely on linear television. Zaslav will invest aggressively in content to grow the HBO Max subscriber base faster. Consolidating discovery content into HBO Max will be a good first step, but HBO Max needs even more content, especially on a global basis. While it may be too soon to buy the likes of Candle Media, the Kevin Mayer-Tom Staggs-Blackstone content roll-up vehicle. We suspect Zaslav will be looking to aggressively invest in content creation of his own, acquire more sports rights, including paying up to retain and expand their MBA rights for use on HBO Max, and seek international content and IP. The greatest risk to WBD being able to invest is starting life at four and a half times leverage. We're curious if there are non-core assets Discovery can shed to reduce leverage more rapidly and accelerate investment in programming. It appears one asset that could be sold near-term is the CW Network, a 50-50 joint venture of Warner Media and ViacomCBS. Number 12, Sunday ticket rights go to big tech, Amazon, or Apple. Last year, we predicted that the NFL would complete both its Sunday ticket and Thursday renewals, with both going to big tech. We correctly called that Amazon would take over Thursday Night Football Package, previously controlled by Fox. What we did not know was that Amazon would actually pay to start the agreement in fall 2022 versus waiting until 2023, with Fox being able to exit a money-losing contract sooner than it expected. For Sunday Ticket, we hypothesized an agreement with YouTube. Surprisingly, no Sunday Ticket deal has been announced at all, albeit DirecTV has publicly stated it is not interested in renewing its current agreement, which expires after the 2022 NFL season. We expect that to change soon. We would not be surprised to see the NFL announce its NFL media partner as well as Sunday Ticket partner during Q1 2022, shortly before or after the Super Bowl. All signs point to Amazon taking a large minority stake in NFL media, which includes the NFL Network, Red Zone, and the NFL's digital properties. Remains unclear whether the mobile package that Verizon abandoned will become a part of that as well. For Sunday Ticket, we no longer believe YouTube, Google has interest. While the press has reported Amazon and ESPN Plus as the two frontrunners, we cannot help but think Apple could be more serious than most believe given the premium nature of Sunday Ticket. fits with Apple's ethos and the growing importance of content as a brand halo at Apple. It is also a natural way for Apple to experiment with sports and create a high-profile marketing campaign that drives awareness of Apple TV Plus. We suspect Sunday Ticket would be offered as an add-on to the Apple TV Plus subscription. Sunday Ticket makes sense for Amazon as well. Amazon is the one tech giant that is clearly committed to sports and especially the NFL. In addition, with third-party SVOD players shifting away from Amazon channels, most recently HBO Max, Sunday Ticket would give Amazon a premium and exclusive addition to its channels platform. As for Disney, we know ESPN wants Sunday Ticket as a premium buy-through for ESPN Plus. However, Disney Plus is Disney's top priority. As we mentioned in prediction number two, investment dollars need to be allocated for a more tightly integrated Disney plus Hulu, transforming the movie business and to retain IPL. In contrast, ESPN feels like the proverbial cash cow to fund Disney plus and is not the place where Disney should be burning cash in hopes of figuring out a streaming future. Remember, they don't own the content on ESPN plus. Even if Sunday Ticket hypothetically generated 3 million incremental ESPN Plus subscribers, it would likely lead to well over 500 million of incremental losses at ESPN Plus. Amazon and Apple can certainly digest those incremental losses as part of the larger branding marketing, but for Disney and ESPN, we fail to see how the math makes strategic sense. It is also worth considering that ESPN will likely pay up to retain NBA rights in 2025. Given that ESPN already has relationships with the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL, does it really need to double down on the NFL with a 2000000000 billion-plus annual payment for Sunday ticket? Number 13, IDFA equals investors don't fear anymore. In 2021, we learned that as powerful as platforms such as Facebook are with billions of users, the underlying operating system, in this case Apple, is the higher power. As we wrote back in October 21. The operating system sets the rules, controlling which platforms can live on the OS, how they monetize, and even take a piece of advertising, subscription, and or transactional revenues. Facebook, Snapchat, Zynga, and a wide array of advertising-exposed mobile media businesses learned how changes in the operating system can have significantly negative impact on their near-term advertising revenues. Despite the near-term pain caused by Apple's privacy changes and the shortcomings of Apple's SK ad network, as platforms shift their focus to first-party data and invest in technology to mitigate the IDFA impact, all signs point to IDFA being a rather temporary setback. We believe that at least the key social platforms now have workable solutions. They simply need to educate advertisers and prove it out, which will take a few quarters. We do not expect IDFA to be a major negative talking point for companies such as Facebook and Snapchat a year after it started to impact revenue performance. By Q3 and especially Q4 2022, look for mobile advertising growth rates to reaccelerate and for investors to largely forget about IDFA as a mobile advertising industry problem. Number 14, as alternative currencies emerge, Nielsen's rates begin to decline. TV programmers across broadcast and cable have despised Nielsen for years, but that pandemic caused tensions to reach a new level. Programmers are so frustrated by the inability for Nielsen to properly measure viewership as household behavior shifts to digital that we see no way for Nielsen to maintain its effective lock on TV measurement. While Nielsen hatred by networks and programmers is nothing new, given that it was the currency for how 70-plus billion of TV ad dollars were transacted, There was little that programmers could do. Network groups would push back on Nielsen rate increases, but ultimately they always ended up agreeing to mid-single-digit increases. Paying more for something that is increasingly less accurate, not to mention paying more to measure something with far fewer viewers by the day, feels like the definition of insanity. It's also worth noting that as every legacy media company has built out its D2C streaming services, they all have far bigger first party databases to understand viewership trends and target ads than they ever had before. Networks reached their proverbial breaking point in 2021 with industry alignment that Nielsen must have robust competition, both as a measurement solution and as a currency to transact. NBC Universal has taken a leadership position in seeking out alternative measurement solutions, with their recently published industry measurement framework embedded above right, showing how much competition there now is to unseat Nielsen. NBC Universal has been joined by WarnerMedia and Viacom in aggressively pursuing alternatives to Nielsen. In addition, Discovery's David Zaslav has been an outspoken Nielsen critic, signaling he will continue to push that agenda as Discovery merges with WarnerMedia in mid-22. Look for companies such as iSpot TV, VideoAmp, and Comscore to play key roles in 2022, as major programmers look to find multiple alternatives to Nielsen. We doubt Nielsen goes away entirely, but as competition, as a currency and measurement solution grows, Nielsen's ability to renew contracts at higher and higher rates will evaporate. Look for renewals to start to come down, new deal versus old deal, by the end of 2022, with the financial impact starting to hit Nielsen in 2023 and beyond.
2: Number 15. Music spreads across gaming and the metaverse, creating music label catalyst. Subscription streaming was the savior of the recorded music business. The turnaround catalyzed by Spotify and then Apple, Amazon, and Google finally brought music labels back to the public markets with Warner Music Group's 2020 IPO And Universal Music's group's listing in 2021. While subscription numbers continue to grow and Spotify's ad business is set to become a real contributor, new growth factors have emerged. Digital and social media deals have provided a major new category from YouTube to Snapchat to Peloton. TikTok, which cut label deals in 2021 has also become a key music discovery platform and spurred increased importance of music on other platforms. In 2022, labels will continue to reap the rewards. Specifically, Twitch stands out as a platform without a major label deal at this point. We predict that each of the major labels will exit 2022 with a multi-year Twitch deal, Also, we believe at least WMG will have a renewal with Facebook, the first post-reels. There is also a third major growth factor coming for the labels, 3D Interactive. As the building blocks for the metaverse are created on platforms like Roblox and Fortnite, music is going to play an important role and there will be significant opportunities for the labels. There are already new forms of promotion and distribution, with virtual concerts and listening parties. Some have had distinct revenue opportunities attached, like the sale of virtual items. But more importantly, music is the soundtrack of our real-world activities, and will be the same as we move towards the development of a metaverse. The major 3D interactive platforms will all need label deals. That will start in earnest in 2022 as we believe all the major labels will cut
1: deals with Roblox. Number 16, sports betting consolidation begins as New York State becomes number one market. Even before this past weekend's launch of sports betting in New York State, the sports betting marketing wars had already started in New York State. See the New York City Subway digital billboard from Caesars that we have seen throughout Manhattan, not to mention the nonstop sports betting commercials airing on the MSG network. In 2022, we expect New York State will quickly become the number one sports betting state in the country, surpassing current industry leader New Jersey, with New Jersey suffering from the loss of New Yorkers who have been betting in New Jersey. In the near term, this will lead to a bonanza for marketing partners, and the fact that there are a limited number of books in the market does not appear to be a limiting factor on the ad and sponsorship boom. Local television stations, mostly owned and operated in the New York City DMA, and outdoor advertising companies, especially out front in New York City, will benefit. But the one public company that stands to the greatest tailwind is MSG Entertainment. MSGE and MSGS have already cut some longer-term marketing deals with a handful more on the way. Meanwhile, MSG Networks is already dominated by sports betting. Looking beyond New York, the competitive intensity is likely to rise throughout 2022 as Disney's ESPN licenses its brand to a second-tier sportsbook instead of spinning off or merging ESPN with a sportsbook. Fox exits FanDuel and partners or merges with a book See prediction number one above, and Fanatics combines with or partners with a sportsbook as it continues its march to become the Amazon of sports. In addition, Caesars and Wynn continue to try to scale up, while smaller players are extending their market access footprint. Ultimately, there are just too many players in sports betting, with broad iGaming, iCasino legalization too far off from a regulatory standpoint to justify the number of sports books in each market and the absurd level of competitive marketing spend. The end result is that in 2022, we will also begin to see smaller players fade away or even shudder, i.e. Fubo Sportsbook. While we could also see middle-tier sports books such as Penn and Barstool, look to combine with one another or with one of the industry leaders, think FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM. It feels like the sports betting industry needs to end up with at most four to five strong players, maybe even three to four. The rationalization will start in 2022. Number 17, blockchain gaming gets its
2: first breakout hit. If metaverse was not the TMT word of 2021, then it was Web3. Crypto saw a resurgence of interest last year that stretched beyond Bitcoin and DeFi. Focus turned to the possibilities unleashed by the programmable blockchain and a greater interest in broader decentralization. As technologists and venture investors thought about how to remake the web, the use of non-fungible tokens began to creep into the mainstream. This mostly came in the form of art and collectibles, and a new form of speculation, as there was a real way to mark digital asset ownership. These assets also became an organizing principle for new communities. Still, the possibilities of Web3 remain nascent, Many of the applications of the blockchain have a ways to go before they find mainstream adoption. However, we do expect some use cases to be nearer dated. The most obvious one to have impact in 2022 is in video games, a natural extension of NFTs since digital assets have been prevalent in games for years. In 2022, we expect there will be at least one blockchain-based game that becomes a major hit with a broad audience. In 2021, the play-to-earn Axie Infinity was considered a breakout blockchain-based game, and it did open possibilities, as it brought wallets to those who never had bank accounts in emerging markets and created a living for many in countries such as the Philippines. However, With just 3 million players, very few in the West, it can hardly be deemed a mass hit, despite its valuation. Truthfully, we are not sure exactly what game becomes that mass hit. We are also fairly certain it will not come from a major publisher. Those with established games have already faced backlash in their ambitions to bring NFTs to existing franchises, Highlighted by Ubisoft's recent trouble. However, multiple hundred million dollars of venture investment went into blockchain games in 2021 and with it a lot of top game development talent. There was also an understanding that blockchain games need to be built to be fun and make it so easy to onboard users that they do not even realize they are utilizing crypto. This confluence, along with the new game mechanic possibilities that the blockchain presents, and the ability to reward contributors to a game community, makes us confident that something big will break out in 2022. Of note, we do not believe that every game will become play to earn. People play games to have fun and build social connections. While PTE may have a place in this endeavor, it will not become the standard.
1: Number 18, domestic box office finds a new normal at 8.5 to 9 billion, down 20% plus versus 2019. What became apparent in Q4 2021, and particularly in December 2021, is that there's an increasingly select group of films that warrant a trip to the movie theater versus being watched at home on a streaming service. Movie theaters will exist for many decades to come as quote unquote event experiences for movies that benefit from a collective or shared experience of a crowded theater. We suspect IMAX will be a key beneficiary of this trend. However, attendance trends are never going to bounce back to where they were pre-pandemic, especially given the surge of content available on streaming services and dramatically shorter theatrical windows. In 2022, the biggest movies such as The Batman and Thor will be on streaming services 45 days after theatrical release. At no extra cost, as legacy media looks to accelerate the growth and engagement of streaming services at the expense of transactional home entertainment revenues. We predict that even if COVID is fully under control the rest of 2022, domestic box office will end up in the range of eight and a half to nine billion, compared to eleven point three billion in twenty nineteen and eleven point nine billion in twenty eighteen. The one savior for a box office is there's a group of big movies coming out in 22, including The Next Fantastic Beasts, Doctor Strange, Top Gun sequel, Next Jurassic Park, Minions 2, Mission Impossible 7, Animated Spider-Man sequel, Halloween Ends, Flash, and Avatar 2, which are all likely to do hundreds of millions of domestic box office. However, we are deeply concerned about everything else. Remember that in 2019, the top 10 films represented only 39% of total domestic box office. Even if the big get bigger, everything else is likely to be down substantially in 2022, as they are not must-see in theater films. Worse yet for exhibitors, if numerous films lose money in 2022, it will be hard for Hollywood to justify continuing to release so many movies exclusively into theaters in 2023. In turn, we suspect the shift to shorter windows if not day and date, will accelerate into 2023, not to mention the impact from impending movie theater bankruptcies. The end result is that box office will decline further in 2023 and beyond. Number 19, Netflix global sub-ads accelerate back towards mid-20s. Forecasting Netflix subscriber net additions has become increasingly complex over the past couple of years. Netflix blew past anyone's wildest expectations in 2020 thanks to the pandemic and lockdown pull forward, and 2021 was far more challenging due to the headwinds created by the reopening and the impact from 2020's pull forward. But forecasting Netflix goes beyond the pandemic impact. Huge potential markets like India remain in their infancy, with Netflix having recently meaningfully reduced price, albeit a more precise analysis of India. Reveals they are really trying to push mobile-only subscribers toward TV-based plans, likely because they know once you start consuming Netflix on the big screen that your engagement surges and churn is greatly reduced. See how the new basic plan is the same price as the old mobile-only plan in the tweet embedded to the right. We believe Netflix did hit or likely exceed its Q4 2021 subscriber expectations. Eight and a half million net ads for a full-year net ads of 18.4 million global net ads despite recent fears created by rarely accurate third-party data providers. The content cycle was simply too good, starting with the blockbuster performance of Squid Game late in Q3 2021. It was the heaviest new content slate in Netflix's history in Q4 2021. In 2022, we see very easy comps for Netflix in the first half of the year, as its content slate is surging against the pull-forward negative impact that occurred in first half 2021. Key content to watch for in 2022 includes The Addams Project, starring Ryan Reynolds and is directed by Sean Levy, The Gray Man, directed by the Russo Brothers. On the film side, with the Ozark finale, a Bridgerton spinoff, a Viking sequel, and a Stranger Things on the TV side. Netflix is also utilizing a smart content strategy to maximize the impact of its biggest hit shows by splitting both Stranger Things and Ozark seasons into two parts across multiple quarters. It's also worth noting that the India price cut is primarily a 2022 event, given that it happened in late December 2021. Finally, 2022 will see an even greater array of movies on Netflix at the same time that legacy studios are trying to force consumers back into theaters. In 2016 to 2019, Netflix's annual global subscriber editions were $24 million per year. We expect 2022 to normalize with its content surge and India price cut, helping drive subscriber additions back towards the mid-20 million range, implying Netflix could end 2022, approaching a quarter billion subscribers.
2: Number 20, record year for live events. In our 2021 predictions, we argued that as we came out of COVID lockdown and began to gather again, There would be a divergence in performance among the, quote, COVID losers. We said those that were secular winners prior to the pandemic, like live events, would continue to grow off 2019 levels. In the end, 2021 played out as we predicted, with a strong U.S. and U.K. summer season for the concert industry and continued box office weakness. In 2022, we expect accelerating trends for live entertainment. We are predicting a record year for the industry, starting a multi-year boom cycle. Quite simply, both the supply and demand sides are intact, with artists touring in record numbers and on sales for 2022 looking extremely successful. Of course, not every tour is a winner. There has been some skepticism raised in recent weeks due to the Omicron variant and the fall Travis Scott tragedy. On Omicron, there were some show cancellations, especially around New Year events. The Radio City Rockettes were canceled as COVID moved through the cast. However, there is absolutely no sign of wavering demand. Sports attendance remains robust, and major on-sales in the middle of Omicron have produced sellouts. Additionally, this wave of the pandemic seems to be moving quickly. On Travis Scott, we have seen tragedies before in the live event industry, and fans have proven to be resilient. The largest effect on the business from each will probably be escalating insurance costs. How big of a year exactly will 2022 be for public companies? We believe Live Nation can approach 125 million fans in 2022 compared to 98 million in 2019. Exactly how big the year becomes will depend on the pace of event reopening outside of the core U.S. and U.K. markets. That will largely be determined by local government. Critically, the industry has five to six months before the summer concert season is underway. MSG Entertainment should also be a large beneficiary. In addition to record venue utilization, especially at the Garden, the Tau Group is operating at record levels.
1: Number 21. Apple TV Plus has a breakout movie year. When we first asked Apple's Eddie Q about his streaming ambitions in 2017, he said, quote, we hope this is the beginning to a lot more content 2020 clearly demonstrated that apple is capable of creating acquiring zeitgeist worthy content that not only put apple tv plus on the map but expanded the brand halo around the company itself and in only the second year of apple tv's existence ted lasso took home the award for best comedy series at the 2021 emmy awards however the cultural impact in brand halo goes far beyond awards look at the picture embedded to the right of Apple's Tim Cook and Q with the Ted Lasso cast at the opening of their new LA store, as well as this Instagram post illustrating the impact Ted Lasso had on Halloween 2021. Tying back to what Q said in 2017, Apple is just getting started, and with a $3 trillion market cap and a $191 billion in cash and equivalents on its balance sheet, it has the ability to scale its content investment to multiples of where it is today. In 2022, consumers will start to see the enormity of Apple's film ambitions. Sure, Apple acquired Greyhound with Tom Hanks during the pandemic and released the highly acclaimed Coda and Swan Song in late 2021. But to date, Apple TV Plus has been far more episodic TV-based than movie-focused. In 2022, Apple TV Plus's movie releases include The Tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington and Frances McDormand, directed by Joel Cohen, Killers of the Flower Moon with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, directed by Martin Scorsese. Emancipation with Will Smith, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Spirited, starring Rhino Reynolds, Will Ferrell, and Octavia Spencer. Recently announced in production, Bad Blood, starring Jennifer Lawrence and directed by Adam McKay. And a Jerry Garcia movie, starring Jonah Hill and directed by Martin Scorsese. Looking beyond live-action films, Apple will also have an annual animated feature film from its joint venture with Skydance. In addition to an animated TV series, if you have not checked out the animated short Blush, it illustrates the quality of the animation coming to Apple TV Plus via Skydance. Remember, former Pixar exec John Lasseter is leading Skydance's animation's 1,000-person animation team. All signs point to Apple Skydance becoming a top-tier player in animation that can build franchise content while also serving to expand the demographics of Apple TV Plus. First up comes Luck in Summer 22 and then Spellbound in 2023. While we believe Apple's feature films will likely have short theatrical windows, we doubt they will be looking for mass box office. Instead, look for films to play in key theaters in major cities, largely for the marketing benefits and to keep talent happy. We would not be surprised to see Apple release features to sub-1,000 theaters compared to the 4,300-plus that are currently showing Spider-Man No Way Home. And last but not
0: least, number 22, T-Mobile will cave on the Boost MVNO deal. T-Mobile's stock has been an underperformer ever since Dish announced a wholesale deal with AT&T. That deal threatens to move up to $2 billion of Boost wholesale payments to AT&T from T-Mobile. We estimate that will enable AT&T to outgrow T-Mobile's service revenue for the next two years. The pressure on T-Mobile to deliver growth is mounting as its subscriber growth moderates, We expect T-Mobile to recut their deal with Dish to save some wholesale revenue. Apologists, stuck defending their consensus buy ratings on T-Mobile, blame the Sprint churn for T-Mobile's growth issues. Imagine that, Sprint still creating an overhang even after T-Mobile purged 5.5 million postpaid subscribers upon closing of that deal. The reality is that T-Mobile has struggled to maintain, let alone grow, its share of postpaid gross additions, despite layering notable spectrum depth onto its network. And numbers have been quietly shifting since the middle of last year. The consensus estimate for T-Mobile's postpaid phone net ads has fallen three hundred thousand to two point seven million, while AT&T's has risen one point four million to one point eight million. Recutting the Dish MVNO deal is not just about saving the Boost MVNO payments. If Dish is successful, despite the consensus view that it and Amazon will fail, it's probably a good idea for T Mobile to benefit from that growth. Let Verizon be an example to follow. It was vilified for its cable MVNO, which now is the primary driver of its revenue growth. In fact, it recently improved the terms for cable operators rather than lose traffic to AT&T. T-Mobile might even be able to maintain its revenue growth superiority in the sector, depending on deal terms with DISH and how far its net ads fall this year. A new deal would be a good win for DISH, achieving an immediate margin boost and providing a more complete network on which to roam. We suspect a critical deal point will be DISH's need for in-market connectivity to T-Mobile's network. Whether that makes the release or not, We do not believe Dish would do that deal without it. Extending the date of the CDMA network shutdown might also be in the cards. This would be a loss for AT&T, which had their eyes on moving that boost traffic to its network within two years. However, AT&T would still benefit from minimum revenue payable by Dish of $500 million per year. It's odd that Verizon wouldn't want a bite of that apple as well.